This is the EDMpreneur Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome, everyone, to the EDMpreneur Podcast. Today, we have Santos Torres, a.k.a. Moniverse, and he is a trans producer, DJ, DIFM show host, and founder of Amped Artists. What's up, Santos? Uh, same old things. <laughs> Just uh, focused on the music, getting some stuff done for Amped, and uh, enjoying my, my vacation between semesters, you know? Cool, man. Well, good to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm yeah. flattered to be on the show. Yeah, awesome. So you most recently had some exposure on Armin Van Buren's A State of Trance with your uh, remix of Fairy Tale featuring Poppy. And I just want to talk about that a little bit before we go into the interview a little bit more. What's that been like for you? You know, it was really surprising because um, uh, when you first start releasing on these trance record labels, you know that you know your stuff is going to get heard by certain people and there's a chance. And so for a while, every time I would release a track, it's like, oh man, fingers crossed for ASA or, you know, group therapy support. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it takes a while. And after a while, I just kind of stopped expecting it. And, you know, you stop checking up on these radio show track lists. And then uh, and the same thing happened with Marcus Scholl's. Like, uh, my phone just blew up and I was getting a million Facebook messages. And I'm like, wait, today's Thursday. This... And and then you check your Twitter and you get you see like Asad tweets you and it was, it was a really amazing feeling because uh, I've been I've been working on music for four years now and I've been listening to trance specifically for like twelve so uh, along the way I listened to a lot of Armin Van Buren and all of his radio shows so it's like really I had this kind of like really overwhelming excitement when i first got playlisted because i not only did I, did I not expect it but you know i've been listening for so long it was just super amazing yeah that's great so what point did you realize that you want to pursue music as a career because i mean you've been listening to trance for 12 years i'm in the same boat when you know i was like 10 or 11 when i first heard this music and i was like oh. so stuck on it and so um what was that like for you when did you realize that you want to pursue it and not just be a, a passive listener yeah, actually, it happened the first time I went to see Armin. Um, mm. I, it was my first trance event ever. You know, I'd been underage and in New York. Most of the events are, are 21 and over. And I went to see him at, it was an all-ages event at McCarran Park Pool in Brooklyn. And it was my first time ever going to like a, you know, like a, a festival or, well, not a festival, but like a concert for this kind of music. And um it was a really different experience. I went with a group of friends. None of them really listened to trance except for me. And we all had a, we all had a blast. And I just remember like there was a certain point in the day when I was like, this is really awesome. I've never experienced anything like this before. And I, you know, I had already been following Armin and then, you know, just seeing him up there and the way he was, yeah, he was, he was having as much fun as we were. So right. it was like, I want to be that guy, you know, not to be, <laughs> not to be cliche, but you know, I picked up DJing and I was like, I really want to DJ. And then about a month after picking up DJing, I was like, this isn't enough. Like playing, playing other people's music, pressing play and changing a few EQs. It was like, 
I felt I had more to contribute, you know? So uh, I picked up producing and it's just kind of been, I, I never really meant to make it into anything more than I just produce because I love to produce and I love to produce trance and I never expected to get signed to really any record labels. I mean, I sent my stuff out, but there was no, uh, there was no like long-term plan to start a record label or anything. Right. It was just because I wanted to do it and it's still the same. I, I just kind of do it because I love it. So would you consider Armin to be one of your early inspirations? Absolutely. Uh, him, Paul Van Dyke, uh, actually, I used to play uh, like competitive video games. I used to play Counter-Strike and people would do uh, like gaming montage videos. And that's how I actually came across trans. It was someone had a Paul Van Dyke, someone had a Paul Van Dyke live set in their, in their frag video. And I was like, this music is awesome. I need to find more of it. And uh, yeah. You never know what will lead, lead you down the path, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. It, it's funny, actually. Uh, a lot, a lot of the people. Uh, there's a few producers who I know who used to play CS competitively. Uh, a lot of the people who I see out at like New York City events used to play, and it's it's kind of crazy. I think there's some kind of nerdy link between uh, gaming and trans music, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, speaking about DJing, you're you're a DI.FM show host, and so I guess technically like a podcast as well because on iTunes. Uh, talk about how that evolved and how you decided to, to go that route and what, what that's done for your career, if, if it's uh, added anything to, to what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it started as, like you said, a podcast. And then I approached the I.FM and I was like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing on, monthly, on a monthly basis. And um, they gave me a twice monthly slot. So I've been doing that ever since. Um, and it, it really does add a lot because, I mean... I wouldn't recommend everyone just goes up and starts a podcast, but uh, you know, once you have some releases under your belt, people want to see more information. Uh, and if you don't keep up with it, it's kind of hard to, you know, grow a fan base. So I think right. my show has actually been um, a really important part in developing, you know, my social network status and whatever, um, because it's, it helps to constantly feed information to people. And people can actually, you know, they keep up with what you're listening to and you kind of de develop a, more of a personality with people because, you know, you're talking on the show, you're playing the tracks that you like and um, right, they get right. to feel a little bit more involved. And it's great because, you know, if I don't ever release for a couple months, like some of these record labels, their their catalog is just so backed up. Yeah. You know, it's going to be like a year before, you know, one of my next tracks comes out. Well, not I, it, I just signed one and I'm sure it'll be like at least nine months <laughs> before I see it even like hit promo inboxes. Yeah, so it's like, it kills me. You know, right? Yeah. And uh, if you have a radio show in between, it kind of helps keep the information moving forward until, you sure. know, you finally get to that point where that next single is coming out or whatever, you know? So would you say that it, it helped your brand awareness a lot better, a lot more oh, having absolutely. the show? Um, so is that something that you'd recommend to artists or, or, yeah, as an avenue for promoting themselves, or, or yeah, is it but maybe too much um, work. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that. That was one thing I was gonna say. Um, it is a lot of work, and I do do twice monthly, and I don't think I could ever do a weekly show. I wanted to keep it monthly at one point, but um, you know, with the slot on di.fm, I've I've been keeping up with it pretty well. Um, it's pretty taxing, especially if you're doing other things with your life. You know, like there was some 
weekends where you know i'm over at my girlfriend's house and i'm like i gotta go home and uh finish my mix for this week you know and that's always awkward you know uh you know if you can keep up with it just don't take on more than you can keep up with consistently because that's what people want to see if you if you take up a monthly slot people are going to know you for that monthly slot and that's all they'll expect from you but if you if you start out and you're like oh it's going to be a weekly show and you do it for like a month and then fall off that that does more harm than good you know for sure that's really good to have that uh, expectation that people know when they're going to get get to hear something from you and then you just fall through on that yeah another thing is is you know don't i I, if you don't have a couple of productions under your belt or whatever you know i wouldn't recommend like you know focus on the producing first get get the get the background done get a couple of releases built up and then you know think about starting a podcast you know this is mono versus track glide out on alter ego records So speaking of releases, uh, you're the founder of Amped Artists, which is a record label. When did that start, and uh, what what was your reasoning for starting your own label versus you know just trying to to uh, kind of shop yourself to everybody else? Or, or I, I can tell you're doing the you're doing both, um, but t- tell me about you know the strategy behind behind that. What happened was. I started finding these smaller producers who were posting on like the Engine Beats forums and you know Reddit, and they were making amazing music. And every time I approached them, they're like, "Oh, nobody wants it," like you know, because they're looking for a certain sound or whatever. So uh, it started in 2012, I think, and it, you know it's been slow. It's really like a 10-man job that I'm doing by myself, and I have to apologize to some people because I've been sitting out a couple really, really amazing releases that I just. I haven't been able to get out yet, but um, that's how it started. Just finding these smaller producers who were uh, struggling to get their releases out there. And I said, uh, you know what, screw it. I'll, you know, I got everything set up, set up the distributors, the agreements with artists and everything. And, you know, for the most part, it's it's been a really positive experience. Again, you know, it's kind of taxing. Well, I shouldn't say kind of, it's pretty taxing. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, Another thing is, is I haven't actually released on my own record label. Right now, I'm focused on kind of funneling my own, um, you know, whatever whatever ground I make in publicity, like funneling that into Amth some one way or another. Like I've made connections with certain websites and blogs and stuff that uh, that came from my own personal music being released on like Enhanced and Infrasonic. Mm-hmm. 
and right. uh, I'm using that to kind of get the music from Amped out there, and that's kind of going to be the game plan for a while. I'm developing my own portfolio and my own, you know, my own releases on these bigger record labels, and then one day I'll be like, hey, here's my single on Amped, but for now I'm just kind of making the connections that I can and putting them into Amped in one way or another, you know? Yeah, that's great. That's a really cool uh, strategy. So you mentioned uh, the label being taxing. So how do you balance the music and the business side of, of how you're doing things? You know, as an entrepreneur, I understand having to do the paperwork and all the fun stuff that we have to do as part of doing the business side of things. So how do you balance the fun and the maybe not so fun? And yeah, that's the, a, what does that look like for you? I mean, <laughs> have, have really understanding people around you who just understand <laughs> that you're going to be stressed and yelling at them all the time. No, um, really it's just a matter of uh being organized and i'm not an organized person by nature so i'm actually you know for a while i struggle and i still struggle but you know you kind of have to find a little bit of a workflow that works for you like um before i wasn't using google documents or anything like that and i've realized that it makes it so much easier when i could just log into my gmail and go on google docs and see the release schedule see what I have left, you know, you set up a spreadsheet and I have like this little check mark that marks or this little uh, macro or whatever it is on Google spreadsheets that, uh, yeah. you know, you, you put, oh yes, it's filled out and it goes green and I don't ever have to look at that again, you know? So just um, being organized like that, it makes it a lot easier when you have like, you know, 10 releases coming up and you can see what needs artwork, what needs, you know, to get contracts signed, what needs promotion, what needs a YouTube upload, whatever, and you know, you just have it set up so that you put in the link and Google tells you it's set and you don't have to look at it again. <laughs> right. So you're running that business by yourself? Yeah, I mean pretty much. There's a couple people, um uh like my graphics designer, uh Greg, I'll I'll plug him, Greg Gamino. Um <laughs> I can yeah. put his uh, links in the show notes. Oh awesome. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I'm always trying to shop him around because you know sure. freelance work. Um, but he's, he's been extremely helpful and he actually just did an entire, uh, kind of like a rebranding of our, of our artwork that we're going to be using for future releases and Facebook timelines and stuff like that. So, um, he's been really helpful, but I mean, on the back end side of things, uh, it's pretty much just been me until recently. And I, I've reached out to a couple people now because, uh, this last semester was just too much, uh, for me to do by myself. So I have a couple of right. close friends who might be involved with the project and, um, you know, yeah, it's, it, it really is like a 10 man job. Uh, you need uh, like a web designer, you need a graphics designer, you need a video guy, yeah. you need a yeah. lawyer. And uh, I've just kind of been with the exception of the legal stuff. It's just been, it's just been me up until recently. <laughs> so you're in school then too. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I guess technically a senior at uh, Montclair State University. I'm uh, doing food and nutrition sciences concentration oh, cool. in dietetics, and uh, hopefully I'll be done with the program soon. Um, not in the uh, not in the fall, but probably next spring I should be graduating. So, so how are you seeing that playing into your music career? Oh, and, you it's know. completely unrelated, and um, <laughs> it just kind of happened because you know I went to school. And at the time I was uh, really focused on like losing weight and eating right. And uh, I made that my major and it's just, it was just a completely separate passion. What's funny is now that, you know, because at the time I didn't have my record label that happened while I was in school. And um, 
because of the record label, I, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, I wish I, I wish I did something in business or like marketing or something. Right. Uh, yeah. Cause at the time, you know, that didn't interest me. If I thought management or like accounting four years ago, I would have been like, screw that. But now that I'm involved on the business <laughs> end of things, it's like, damn, I, I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just asked that because I, I see a lot of producers and up and coming, you know, people who are getting a lot of notoriety in the, in the industry and they're in school. And I'm like, what are you in school for? You know? So it's, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just like, like an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing. I, I think a lot of, a lot of us like me, like I said, uh, you do it for a hobby. And especially if you're doing a niche genre, like trance, it's like, you, you're not going to be, <laughs> there's not a lot of room to make a living, you know? So you kind of go in with your expectations. You know, you set the bar real low, for expectations and then with low expectations comes great surprises you know <laughs> right <laughs> so uh speaking of production what, what was what do you think was the hardest thing for you to master as a producer oh uh that is a really what's good a question. continually hard thing for you to master yeah uh, at one point i would have said probably actually just like songwriting and stuff like that but i've, I've realized now that it's not a matter of like uh, of the songwriting being an issue. It's just a matter of like inspiration being there. And, you know, every couple of weeks I'll, you know, I'll struggle for like two, three weeks to start a new project. And then there's a day where it just, you know, it clicks and you get a project done. So I guess not really that. Um, I, I think really it, it's kind of become just kind of polishing out the last 10% of a track has been, and it, it'll always be problematic where you're, you know, you're, you're referencing your favorite producers and you're trying to make it hold up to everyone else's music because it just feels like there's constantly an improvement of quality and mm. especially in like trance the the production quality is insane if you listen to like a mad zoe or anything on injuna beats like it it blows so much other music technically out of the water like in terms of production quality and it's just insane that you know there are guys you know sitting in their bedrooms doing this for like a year or two and they're already making music, you know, better than 90% of the world. And right. <laughs> it, there's just, it's always a struggle to keep up. And I think you see this in a lot of really big producers that they, you know, they have to have engineers and I, I can completely see why, like, I'm sure if Armin didn't have Benno uh, from rank one, uh, his music wouldn't be nearly as big and fat as it would be if he just did it by himself. But it's, you come to expect it over time where you, it needs to hold up to a certain standard, you know? So I completely understand why these guys have engineers and teams working on their music because it's got to hold up, you know? Yeah. There's a synergy that you get with more than one person working on a thing too. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, even, it happens even in feedback. If you have a couple, you know, close friends who also yeah. produce, you know, you send them and they're like, Hey, your kick drum just doesn't have enough 60 Hertz or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you know, you can trust their opinion, you know, that that little tweak will go a long way. And, you know, it, it helps to kind of hear even in that respect to just hear a few little feedbacks to take back into the projects, you know? Yeah. So how do you stay motivated, you know, among your radio show, running the label, producing your own tracks and being in school? How do you, how do you keep everything moving forward and not getting it's, stuck? It's really not easy. And uh, I mean, like I said, I, it goes back to having supportive people around you, you know, like there have been times where, you know, I've, I've had like, 
full-on emotional breakdowns and my girlfriend's just gotta like pat me on the back and be like hey it's okay i'm here for you i can't you know she can't really do anything but you know she's been really good about you know hearing me out and just hearing me bitch and moan um but you know it just goes back to having a strong you know close friends who will help you who understand what you're doing and you know family um significant others anyone who can get behind you and tell you you know hey you know don't don't stop because you're you've come so far you know and uh that's really the most important thing i could say and that and just be proud of you know the little wins you know whenever i get an email from like a blog and they're like hey we're sharing your track or whatever that's that's a great feeling and if you if you stay proud of these little things that keep happening eventually you know it's it's a lot less pressure because you see you see all these things happening so that's great. So speaking of little wins, what's been your proudest moment so far? Uh, yeah, that, I mean, it's it's got to be a state of trance. Um, uh, before that, it was probably Marcus playing my, my track Ascend on his show. Um, but, I, you know, on paper, those are the biggest things. I think probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done was uh, playing my own track in a live set. Uh, because <laughs> you know when you're when you're making music you know you may get to the best of your abilities and uh, sometimes it just doesn't hold up to other producers for the live setting you know so uh it was a really amazing feeling to start to be able to play my own work on big systems when i play out in the city uh like recently i just i finished one the other day uh, i think it's gonna get signed to uh daniel candy's record label and uh, i played it at my at, on probably the best sound system in in new york and uh it was just amazing because there was a point in time where i would have been like no way in hell i'm playing any of my own music in my set you're listening to the moniverse remix of the way back home by fairy tale featuring poppy Back, 
What's one thing you wish you would have known when you first started? <laughs> for me, in my for my uh, specific case, I think I wish I would have known when I first started to also start to learn an instrument because uh, I feel like the inability to really improv when you're you know making a track kind of holds me back. Um, so I am trying to self-teach piano in my free time, which is another really taxing thing amongst everything <laughs> else. So uh, yeah, I would have told myself, hey, you know, slow down trying to learn a compressor and you know learn some music theory and start playing because if I had been playing for four years now, I would I would be infinitely more creative, I feel. You know, um, and also I would go back and tell myself to finish uh, whatever good projects you start, because I, I tell this to everyone when they're looking for advice. Once you start finishing projects, even you don't even have to put them on SoundCloud for free download or anything. You know, you, you don't have to show them to anyone. But if they're finished in your eyes, you know, all those things that you did for the next project, you know, the little effects things, the little automations. And that ability just, it, it makes it 10 times easier the next project. So I would have told myself, finish anything good that you start, you know? How long after you started producing did you start putting stuff on SoundCloud? Uh, you know, I, uh, I used to produce, um, and I, I <laughs> my first track I released on a much smaller record label. It was literally my first project. Uh, it took me six months to finish. And, you know, naturally, you know, it went out to a record label. It got signed miraculously, and I'm totally ashamed of it. And uh, if I could go back and not do that, I would totally not do that. Um, <laughs> but luckily, you know, along the way, I started, uh, I changed my alias and everything, and I worked in a collaborative project as well in between. So um, uh, nobody will ever, ever hear that <laughs> project ever. Um, except for the people who heard it under that alias. So, um, yeah, I mean, it probably, I would say it took me about six months before I made something that I was, you know, shopping around to record labels and putting on SoundCloud or whatever, but I, I wouldn't recommend doing that in any way because it wasn't ready. Mm. It's not good. It's not, there's no sustainability. And I feel like a lot, a lot of guys are the same way, you know, you rush to put something together that. And, you know, you work really hard for six months on one project and eventually you're like, everyone's got to hear this. And the fact of the matter is that they don't and they probably shouldn't. And you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got your productions, your DJing, you've got this label that you're working on. What do you see yourself doing in five years? How is all this coming together and, and where do you see yourself yeah, going? That, that's... <laughs> Uh, that's a really good question, and I, I really don't know. Um, I don't think that the music thing is going to be uh, any different from what it is now. I think I'll probably be working full-time and just doing the music stuff on the side. And, you know, um, I think that works for, for a lot of people. I mean, hopefully by then I'll have, like, a team for the record label, so I won't have to do so much of it on my own. Um, but, you know, other than that, it's just going to stay a really serious passion for me, you know? Um, I don't really plan to be trying to make it a career unless I, you know, I make a hit and some, you know, one day I'm touring or something like that, but I'm not banking on that. You know, uh, it's a stretch. So it's just going to say a very serious hobby that I love and same with the record label. I just love putting out awesome music that I find. And like I said, hopefully I'll have a couple people helping me out to do that. And 
that'll be it, I guess. Yeah, passion first, uh, profit second. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, these guys, uh, Blue Mar Ten. They do like uh, they do like liquid drum and bass, the amazing music. And I was reading a uh, a Reddit AMA with them, and I had no idea because you know they're doing the same thing. They're, I mean, they're much larger than I in their music, but um, you know, they're doing the same thing. They're doing a record label they're doing their podcast and uh i was reading an interview with them uh reddit ama asked me anything and uh they were pretty much saying like oh you know we work our day jobs and we do the music and with that uh that's never going to change for them and it was kind of really eye-opening seeing how much they're doing like uh with releases and their record label and their podcast it was it was really refreshing to see that i'm not the only one out there who thinks this kind of needs to say uh um just a just a passion and a hobby and not you don't have to make it into um uh a career or anything you know so do you feel like there there's a a pressure um involved with making it your full time and and do you think that would that would ruin a part of it for you or what's the process for for that yeah here's the thing um i i understand why a lot of people say like oh for you to really put your all into music that you need to make it, you know, a lifetime career or whatever. But I think it comes down to the person. Like, um, for me, I don't think my music would be any different than it is if I made it into a career. I mean, maybe I would have to, I don't know, make some big room or something, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, uh, I, I don't think that really it would change. So for me to just be realistic, um, I think I think that's what it is. It's just being realistic. You know, I'm not banking on it happening. And you know, in the past year, a lot has changed since I, you know, uh, even just started releasing with some bigger record labels. A lot has changed, and um, I, I still don't see it playing out to the point where I'm just gonna give up everything else. Um, I would like to make it a more serious venture, but at the same time, I don't see it overtaking it uh, like a mean like a full full work day you know yeah 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 absolutely all right man well thanks so much for coming on the show and uh we'll make sure everything is linked up for you in the show notes and uh and all that well thanks and thanks so much for having me i'm uh best of luck with the show and i'll be tuned in for future episodes don't forget to subscribe to the Edmpreneur podcast on itunes And if you like the show, we appreciate a five-star review. It really helps us get our artists' messages to the people who need to hear them. See you next time.